listening to the podcast by CISD SOAS, the Center of International Studies and Diplomacy. As part of our podcasts on life in the UN, we're speaking to Mr. Daniel Sabo from the International Organization on Migration, IOM. Daniel, thank you for speaking to SOAS Radio and for your engaging talk earlier. You're incredibly passionate about migration issues. Why did you choose to work at the IOM in particular above other organizations? Why did you think this was the place you could make the most difference in your area? Right. Well, uh, certainly the, uh, my work beforehand with Oxfam and my educational background was all geared towards migration. Uh, I studied the asylum-seeking processes in, in the South Pacific and in Europe. And when I, uh, when I was uh, finishing my uh, master degree, I was looking for organizations that fit uh, what I did. And I had not, I wasn't aware of IOM to the degree that I, I think I probably should have been at the time. And yet the, once I saw the work that they were doing uh, in helping to, uh, helping migrants uh, make journeys and helping to alleviate some of the situations that are going on worldwide, uh, I was automatically drawn to the work and it fit quite nicely with um, what I had hoped to do. Could you describe in more detail the process you went through in applying to the IOM? Right. Well, there are two routes to take to getting into an international organization, a particular IOM. One is the internship route, which many apply for. Uh, it's quite competitive, yet there are a number of spots sort of available over the course of a year. Uh, the summertime is obviously much busier, so the earlier someone applies, the better. Uh, my route uh, was a different one. When I finished my degree, uh, I'm from Canada, I finished my degree and there's a Canadian organization, and there, this is true for many countries, that uh, is funded by the government and helps individuals who have re- recently graduated uh, enter the international organization system as a secondee. And so I was seconded into IOM that route, and it was only supposed to be a six-month contract, and I was with the Donor Relations Division of IOM at that time, and uh, just through the work that I was doing, it became apparent that they would wanted me to stay, and there was an opportunity to stay, and the rest is two and a half years later now, I'm with the Media Communications Division, and uh, every time I think I'm going, I pack up, and there's an opportunity to stay. So uh, there's a lot of room for individuals to do that. Uh, either the internship route is the same in terms of uh, possible success rates to stay after. So if you had the opportunity, do you see yourself staying with the IOM in the long term? Would you consider working for other branches of the UN? And if you would, how easy is it to move between different UN departments? Well, in my particular case, and I think this is true for for many who have stayed long term at IOM, there's great opportunity to, when one contract is closing in a particular division, at least uh, this is very much the case at headquarters and in the field as well, that uh, one, as one opportunity is closing, there's another division who may see what one is doing. This is why I strongly encourage individuals who get into these positions to fully show up in ways that others can see the work that I'm doing rather than uh, uh, 
being cautious because being cautious will result in a short-term contract and a nice experience and then that's it. And so uh, there's much op- there's great opportunity to move around uh, within the organization. And it's certainly been the case. I've been in three different areas, uh, donor relations, research. Uh, now I'm in meeting communications and the Department of Emergencies, so four different areas. So there's a great opportunity for, for people. People often talk about how working in Geneva can sometimes feel like working in, in a bit of a bubble. How do you maintain links with the issues that you deal with? Right. I think uh, I think that's a very good point. It's one of the... Um, most uh, it's one of the ju- one of the things that uh, required uh, I think the most adjustment on my part because it's difficult for family members to come with you to live here especially uh, in the system where you start I'm starting out with these short-term contracts of three months six uh, now I'm at a little over six months so that's good news I've been there two and a half years uh, and yet it's, it's one of the things that one has to figure out ways to deal with so uh, I take time to travel I go to other countries to where I have friends in neighboring countries. Uh, I go home every uh, four months or so. Uh, that's my decision to, and to maintain my links there because I think that's important. So it is one of the adjustments. And I think that's an adjustment that happens if someone stays long-term in an international organization. Uh, some, you, need to make, uh, you need to make some adjustments and find ways to have a full life uh, and have everything in terms of personal life and a professional life as well yeah what would you say the the ethos is working at the IMO obviously it can be a frustrating and often unrewarding job that you do do you find is it very pressured are, are people how do they maintain their optimism are many people disillusioned with the amount of change they can they can make I think that Yes, that happens. We have such a good core group. Uh, the organization is wonderful. It's, it's a place where, even though I'm frustrated sometimes, and there's places to uh, voice that frustration, there's always a desire from everybody in the organization that we want to make things better, and we want to find ways uh, to move things forward. And we acknowledge that uh, in any international organization, that there, especially one that's inter- intergovernmental, there are things that take time to move forward, um, and we stick with it. And uh, I consider it a family. And so um, I think one of the things that uh, if I if I let that frustration get to me, uh, I don't perform, and I don't. Um, uh, it'll come out in different ways that won't work in terms of a harmonious working environment. And so. Uh, I push as far as I can on some issues, and then when I realize it's not going anywhere, then at least, I, at least I'm on record of uh, saying, hey, this is what I think uh, we should go. And then there are other, thing, other ways that I can push the, the narrative forward and, and, and find support from missions and other people within the organization. And there's a, a fundamental desire to help people, and that's where it, that's where it starts. Um, and how do you find it in terms of employment, uh, female employment? Is is there an equal gender balance, especially uh, in the higher roles? Uh, I think we can do more. M- both of my, uh, my, not my immediate superiors, but my, my boss's boss, the, the, the boss of the, my uh, department, 
is female, and my supervisors beforehand have been female, so there's a strong presence of gender uh, balance. I think there needs to be much more in terms of uh, the higher levels, and it's an area that we're working on. Yet it's very, gender is very, very important to us, and there is a, uh, a lot of opportunity for advancement, and certainly we encourage that as well. There's some strong women working at IOM, <laughs> believe me. Yeah. A lot of migration issues sway around people's interpretation of events and and that can have a big impact on on how governments act. So for the IOM, I I guess there's a lot of input in terms of communications and changing people's perspectives. In that regard, do many people, do you find many people come straight from a political sciences background? Do you have people from, say, more media uh, aspects, or, or is it, or is it still very channeled international relations degrees, that kind of thing? Right. Well, I think that uh, I at first I thought so. Yet it's not necessarily the case. There's a wide variety of backgrounds, especially media communications from different fields of, of work, um, and also true in terms of other areas. Uh, I have an international relations uh, undergrad and master degree, and others have research, others are involved in women's issues. So there's a wide variety that come into play. And obviously the IRN deals with a vast array of different issues and topics. In terms of your job, do you find you focus on one specific situation for for a, a year or a number of years, or do you, do you look at lots of different situations at, at once? Well, there, we look at a lot of different situations at once, I think when I first got there, I was very overwhelmed with the amount of that was happening. It's a very fast-paced, uh, there's a lot that's going on. And so I, for me, I needed to focus on one thing and start with that, And which we did. We worked on uh, providing solar lanterns to help prevent gender-based violence uh, in uh, areas of conflict. And so that was very uh, satisfying. It's a program, project we still have going. And now I'm working on the uh, Europe and uh, migration uh, crisis or emergency in Mediterranean and throughout Europe. So it does vary. There are a lot of things that we, uh, a lot of things that we keep in touch with and try and move along. There's a primary focus that one needs to have. And finally, I know you spoke a little about this in your talk, but if you had some key advice for people looking to join the UN or the IMO in particular, what would that be? Right. Well, I, I did say this in my in my talk. I think that people want to help, and people tend to help those they think they know the best or feel closest to. And in my own career, I need all the help I can get. And so following the logic of what I just said, if I'm going to advance and if I'm going to have a successful career, I want people to know me and know what I do such that they think they know me and feel closer to me. It's not always the case. In most of the case, the most time that is true, that the more I know you, the more willing I am to help you uh, in your career, in your um, whatever it is. And so I think the the one key skill is to show up all the time in ways that show uh, what I can contribute, uh, speak my mind. It's a great place to do that and continue doing that. And uh, I, my my probability of success increases dramatically. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. This was a podcast by CISD SOAS, the Center of International Studies and Diplomacy. Thank you for listening.